Good afternoon, everybody. We welcome you here to remember Margaret Shiro. My name is Eric. I've had the privilege of being her pastor for the last 10 years. It's a great loss. Heaven's gain, for sure. I'd ask that you join me with prayer as we begin remembering Margaret. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a life well lived. We thank you for a faithful, loving life. And we ask, Lord God, as we're here on this side of heaven, that you would be with us. You be with our loss, Lord God. Your word tells us that you bind up the brokenhearted. We pray that you do that today, Lord God. We thank you for the hope of Jesus Christ today. We thank you that Marge, as I call her, Lord, is, is better off than she's ever been. And we ask, Lord God, you be with our time now as we honor her to the glory of God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to sing. I'm not leading, though. <laughs> Thank you. Nancy is going to lead us in blessed assurance. You can stand. You want them to stand or song? The words will be on the screen. Please stand. Let's sing together. You may be taking each of your seats. Psalm 121, a song of ascent. I lift up my eyes to the mountain. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over you coming and going both now and forevermore. There we go. Thanks. All right. I'm Vic Shiro, number five of five. <laughs> Margaret Bizzardo Shiro was born to immigrant parents Vincent and Francis Bizzardo on December 18, 1924, in New York City. She was the third of four children. They lived in the East Village of New York City and in her high school years moved to Bensonhurst, Brooklyn the Italian section. <laughs> Mom and dad were met during World War II. Nicholas Shiro was visiting relatives on Bay 8th Street and uh, the same street mom lived on. She couldn't resist the handsome sailor and he couldn't resist beautiful Margaret. Their relationship bloomed and they were married on June 9, 1946. Dad brought mom to Lodi, New Jersey and then to Hasbrook Heights, where mom lived for 56 years. From 47 to 56, Barbara, Carol, Susan, and Gloria were born. Mom came from a large Italian family. Each Sunday, aunts and uncles and cousins all came together for Sunday dinner, where traditions and memories were made. The tradition continued as we grew up. Every other Sunday, we traveled to Grandma Basardo's in Brooklyn for Sunday dinner. And yes, we ate in the basement at a long banquet table. <laughs> Dinners always started with pasta, four or five courses, always ending with a bowl of fruit, nuts, and demi-tasse coffee, and the Italian pastries. <laughs> the one memory I keep talking about is having conversation at an Italian table and how it's never this way. It's always this way and this way and that the, the, the volume level rises <laughs> and I miss it sometimes. My sisters recall every morning, mom would comb their hair and make banana curls. They each have curly hair. Gloria's was the curliest until I came along. I also got the best legs. <laughs> On October 13th, 1964, I was born. Sorry, lost my place. Mom and dad finally got their son. My sisters were so, <laughs> I hate this line. I swear we all wrote this together, but this one slipped through editing. 
Mom and dad finally got their son. My sisters were so blessed, and I was so lucky to have five mothers. Mom and dad were active members here at Bible Baptist since the late 50s, the church in which we were raised. Over the years, mom was active on the social committee, nursery, and the finance committee. In 1982, the Lord called dad home to heaven. Mom and dad were married just shy of 36 years. It was a devastating time for mom. Being the strong woman she was, she got her strength from the Lord and went on with life. After all, her family was growing with grandchildren, and she, would, and she wanted to enjoy life with them. At the birth of each of Susan and Gloria's children, she spent a week at their homes to help them with each new baby. Mom even flew to Michigan to help Linda when we had our first son, Vic. Mom was a homemaker and a bookkeeper by profession. She worked for several different companies over the years a men's coat factory, an international electronics company, and a large coffee company. In 1998, mom retired. For 10 years, she volunteered at Hackensack University Medical Center in the gift shop. She also crocheted many baby hats for the newborns in the hospital. At Christmas time, mom always baked dozens of cookie press cookies and my sisters would decorate them, decorate them all. We got to talk to editing because this is <laughs> unacceptable. Our favorite ones were diaper cookies. They had a prune, almond, or strawberry filling in them, and they were folded over like a diaper, hence the name. They're still one of our favorites. Mom often sewed for my sisters, making them dresses and costumes, and even helped with their home economics projects. Mom received an A for that class. <laughs> One Christmas, she made my sisters and herself velvet jumpers, each in a different color. Susan still has them. Mom was an avid knitter and crocheter. She made each of her five children and nine grandchildren Afghans and each of her 23 great-grandchildren a baby blanket. This past summer, she finished baby Charlotte's blanket, and just six weeks ago, soon to arrive, baby Ozzy's blanket. From all of these stories, you can see that mom was a very giving person. The examples given here aren't the only ones. At the age of 18, uh, just after my dad died, um, I had the opportunity to go out to Michigan to work with a, a ministry organization out there. And I asked her, Mom, do you want me to stay? <coughs> do you want me to stay and take care of you? And she said, Vic, I gave you God when you were born. You go. You go and follow his leading with your life. That's what I've always commanded you.
Thanks, now I gotta follow that. <laughs> My best to get through this. Um, just a couple things about Grandma. One of my favorite memories, which I think is all her grandchildren's, one of our favorite memories, is all her fruit trees that she had in her backyard. We just loved going, to me it was like, it was like the secret garden. Loved going back there, and I remember my favorite spot was the raspberry bushes. And I would just stand there, and she'd give us you know, a basket, put them in, and mine never made it into the basket. I just sat there, ate one after another after another, and still to this day, Whenever I eat a raspberry, it brings me right back to those bushes and reminds me of Grandma. And I had the opportunity to spend time with her every time I would cut her hair, and we got to have good conversations. And I loved when she would tell me all her stories about growing up, um, her life as a child, and stories of her and Grandpa. And one of, um, one of my special memories with her is uh, when I was 33 weeks pregnant with my second, with Liliana. I was very large, and I had... Uh, emergency appendectomy, and they were trying to figure it out. They couldn't really figure it out at first, and we had Layla. She was two, and Johnny was running back and forth taking care of her, so I was in the hospital a little bit for, by myself. It was, it was summer, and Mom was up at Camp Spofford and couldn't get back home too quickly, and I remember my hospital door opened and walked in Grandma, and I could have just run and jumped in her arms because she was like, peace. And seeing her because anyone who knows her knows that that demeanor that she had just touches your heart. And she has peace and so much love and sweet and grace and such an amazing godly example. So I need to get my composure so I can do the song for her. <laughs> so Grandma, this song is for you. Because I know that God looked at her and said, well done, good and faithful one. What would it be like when my pain is gone? Though the worries of this world just fade away, what will it be like when you call my name? In that moment when I see you face to face, reading my whole life, hear you say, Well done, well What will it be like when I come into your glory? 
Welcome to the place where you belong. What will it be like when I hear that sound? All of heaven's angels crying out, singing, Holy. darling. That was the greeting we would hear from our grandmother every time we'd see her, followed by a big hug and a little hiney tickle. <laughs> my name is Rachel to those who don't know me, but to my grandmother, I am Rocky, grandkid number two. The nine grandchildren also had nicknames for her as well, Grandma Shiro, Grandma Margie, Graham, and to her 22, almost 23 great-grands, she was affectionately known as Big Mama, all four foot nothing of her. <laughs> Graham was a beautiful person on the inside and out. She always had a quiet, gentle spirit, odd for an Italian woman from Brooklyn, and one that clearly skipped over our parents' generation. <laughs> I must say though, our mothers and aunts did inherit her flawless, perfect skin making them always look 15 years younger than they are. Skin my sisters and I would pay a lot of money for. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> Talking with my sisters and cousins, none of us could ever recall grandma getting mad or raising her voice at us. But she did have the look. It was mastered, as do our mothers. The look that said, what in the world are you doing and you better knock it off? <laughs> a little Italian woman yelling at you is scary, but the quiet ones with the look are even scarier. We 
saw the look from Grandma after rearranging the tiny apron closet in her kitchen so we could hide in it and then jump out and scare her and Aunt Barbie. Or after the time when my sister Becky and I convinced Nancy to eat Sammy's dog food because it tasted like candy. <laughs> she did it. Or when I was caught asking her neighbors an awful lot of nosy questions about their relationship and living arrangements. <laughs> Grandma never yelled at my cousin Nicholas during family pictures on Christmas Day because he refused to face forward in them. Everybody else did though. Good thing Aunt Gloria always made sure he had a nice fade because that was all we got photographed of him for a few years. Growing up, there was never a shortage of food at any family gathering. Grandma is known for her spanakopita and garduna, two recipes I haven't the foggiest idea what's in them or how to make, but we request them every holiday. Aunt Carol and Aunt Barb thankfully have continued the tradition. And don't think you're ever leaving Big Mama's house or holiday party without a few banana and cinnamon breads to go. Grandma used to have baking parties with her friends or daughters, and they'd bake 30 to 40 loaves of banana and cinnamon bread just to give to neighbors and loved ones. My cousin Holly thought this was awesome, so she started doing it too. And guess how big this party has grown to? Just Holly. <laughs> but <laughs> because the rest of us jerks would rather eat the bread than bake it. The Hasbrook Heights house used to have a box pear tree and those raspberry bushes in the backyard. To this day, anytime we eat a pear or raspberries, we're taken back to summers and fall days playing in Graham's backyard. Grandma was great at keeping in touch with people, especially her nine grandchildren. When I was in college, she used to write me letters and emails weekly and send the occasional care package. She never miss, missed sending a birthday or anniversary card to any of us and always seemed to like and comment on all of our Facebook posts. She was quite the tech-savvy old lady. Big Mama always knew what was going on in our children's lives and in the lives of our children. She remained sharp as a tack for all of her 98 years. Well, maybe the tack got a little dull most recently, but still attack. She continued to read her Bible, do her devotionals, and faithfully pray for her kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids daily. And in her Bible, she had photographs of all of us, and that is how she would remember to pray for us by picture, right up until the Lord called her home. All nine of us confidently know that Graham loved us unconditionally, the same love that our Lord and Savior had for her. Jesus' love poured out of her to all that had the privilege of knowing her. She was the best and cutest grandmother ever and modeled that for her own children, who have become pretty wonderful grandparents themselves. Our huge family may be loud and boisterous and opinionated at times, okay, a lot of the time, but we love each other fiercely. That is because our grandmother, the matriarch, said yes to Jesus every day and chose to live a life that honored and glorified him. I know Big Mama is having the time of her life right now in heaven in the presence of Jesus, 
with Grandpa finally by her side. And when it's my turn to be called home, I will be looking forward to hearing, well, hello, darling, followed by a big hug and a little hiney tickle. Bear with me. Um, hi, everyone. If you're not familiar with me, my name is Evan. Uh, I'm Victor and Linda's son, representing the Midwest Shiro's uh, and the seventh grandchild. Uh, we're here to celebrate the life of one of the most loving, gentle, kind, and caring people I've ever known. It's with a mixture of sadness and joy we meet today. Sadness as we say goodbye to someone who we all remember so dearly. Grandma meant so much to us all, and we will certainly miss her, but there's also so much joy. We lived quite far from Grandma, so it always felt special when we were there. Whether we drove to the shore to go boogie boarding, went Christmas shopping, or had a picnic in her backyard, we could count on our Grandma to make our times there special. I remember little things like her telling us to take your coats off and stay a while, <laughs> grabbing marshmallows out of the cupboard for us as a treat, uh, or making us soft-boiled eggs on a bed of Rice Krispie treats. Or Rice Krispies, not the treats. You know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, they say memories are tied to smell, but I'm pretty sure that applies to food as well. I remember pictures covering the walls and surfaces of her home, not only of her family and friends, but also of the many missionaries she supported and prayed for regularly. Anyone who stepped through her door could tell immediately where her heart was. She had a way of making each of us feel like we were her honored guest. The little house on Roosevelt felt so warm to me. It was like going home each time we visited. The feeling was especially potent around Christmas. I got so much more to get through, holy cow. Tins full of handmade pastries, personalized ornaments, and crocheted blankets let us know she didn't spare any time or effort. These were the ways she showed us she loved us, along with telling us all the time. Going to Jersey for Christmas was a magical experience that I still often think about this time of year. Uh, when I was going over the speech with my cousins, Nathan said he didn't think that many people would describe New Jersey as magical, but <laughs> to, to us it was magical. Uh, all right, this, one, this one's funny, so I'll, I'll get through it. <laughs> I'm not sure how old I was when I received a sketchbook for Christmas at Grandma's, but I do remember excitedly asking her if she'd sit for me so I could draw her. She sat in her white armchair, and while I carefully went to work, um, when I finished my masterpiece, Grandma smiled and said she loved it and that I had done a fine job. I came across that sketchbook years later, and I saw the drawing. I realized it was perhaps the worst portrait ever put to paper. <laughs> but that shows what a gracious and patient person Grandma was. We were able to visit this summer and it felt just the same as all the times before. I was a kid again at Grandma's house. But this time, our kids were her honored guests and they put, excuse me, and they put a face to the maker of their hats and blankets. They surrounded her and swapped stories as if they had done it a hundred times before. 
they were instinctively drawn to grandma. Um, I have a particularly beautiful memory from that visit. My daughter, Mariella, um, grandma could tell she was either feeling like sleepy or maybe she just needed a little attention. And she, she noticed that immediately. So she asked her if she wanted to come lay down in her bed. And she slowly with her walker walked my daughter all the way back to her room, tucked her into her covers, drew her blinds, and she wouldn't let me help with any of this. Um, and it took her some time, but she was smiling throughout the whole process. Mari was only in there for three minutes. <laughs> but she remembers to this day <laughs> the kindness and tenderness I've known from my grandma since I was her age. And that same day, grandma gave me the final memory I have from her. I can't recall which aunt she was speaking to, and I'm not sure if she knew I was close by, but I overheard her say, has every lost relative seen me? <laughs> I think so, my aunt said. Oh, that's wonderful. He was getting so fat. <laughs> that was true. From anyone else, I might have taken a little offense to this, but a 98-year-old saint with a golden track record of kindness and affirmation can get away with it. Maybe it was revenge for the portrait, I don't know. <laughs> I'll cherish that memory with all the rest of them. As we prepared for this day, my coworkers, acquaintances, uh, and friends offered condolences and did their best to comfort me, and I almost felt apologetic for not being more outwardly sad. Like I should explain myself. I'd say grandma lived a full life and enjoyed health and a clear mind and gave and received much love and left us all with many happy memories. And most importantly, she had a personal relationship with God that guarantees our heavenly reunion. And for all these reasons, I'd say the joy of our meeting today outweighs the sadness by a lot.
have to ask, did Margaret boogie board? Because I could see her trying it. I could see her trying it. Well, good afternoon again. We're here to remember Margaret. She was born December 18th, 1924 in New York City and passed into glory on October 16th, 2023 at the age of 98. And whenever she could, when she could be here and she didn't miss much, she would stand in that back and would not leave until I gave her a hug. She had to have a hug. That's how I remember Marge. She was a loving wife, mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, sister, aunt, and friend. And anybody I left out, she loved you too, and you know that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. She loved to crochet, knit, sew, and do ceramics as it was, as she called it, her relaxing time. If I could sum her up in one word, which is hard to sum up a person in one word, because so many words would do the job, loving, kind, caring, you name it. But I think one word sums up everything it would be the word faithful. Faithful. She faithfully loved her husband, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, friends, family. She loved her church, Bible Baptist. She's been a member here for decades, 50-plus years. But most of all, Marge was faithful to her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And while we're sad at the loss, we also rejoice because she is now in the presence of her Lord and Savior. And she has heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome to where you belong. And she is actually now more alive than she ever has been. The church in Thessalonica was concerned about their loved ones who passed into glory. They didn't know really what happened. And the Apostle Paul writes this to them. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We have hope today because of Jesus Christ. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with them those who have fallen asleep. God will never abandon his children. Never. He goes on to say this in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Marge, I'm sure, would want us to be comforted today. Part of me also wonders if she'd be saying, why are you making such a fuss over it? I am sure she'd want all of us to be comforted today with the truth that she is now with Jesus. The Jesus that she loved and served for so many decades has given to her the reward that he has promised for living faithfully unto God, the eternal joy of heaven, where Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, sits at the center of heaven, and Marge right now is at his feet worshiping him. She would want you to be comforted with this truth. And I know that she would want you to have the same hope, the same assurance that she has right now. She would want you to know the truth of what God did for you through Jesus Christ. More importantly, 
Not that Marge wants us to know. God wants you to know what he has done for you through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that it's good for us to be in this kind of a moment. It's good for us to be at the funeral parlor. What are you talking about? The Bible tells us this in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. The death rate is 100%. We will all die. And it is good for us to sit here and contemplate eternity. For God has placed eternity in our hearts. The loss of a loved one is a time to remember, but it is also a time to think about our own mortality and consider what will happen to us when our time comes. Where will we be when we pass? Will we be with God in heaven? Or will we be separated from God in hell? God loves people. He created people to love them. And God has done everything possible for people to be with him in heaven. You know the famous verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Because God sent, loves people, and because God sent Jesus to make heaven possible, and because God does not want anyone to go into eternity without knowing his son, Jesus Christ, and being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, God begs us, begs us to be reconciled to God. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we read this, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Perhaps you're asking yourself here today, why do I need to be reconciled to God? I'm a good person. Never robbed a bank. Never killed anybody. No, perhaps you haven't. But you have sinned against God. Sin, simply put, is rebellion against God. It's doing things my way. The most popular song in hell is from Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. You want to be guaranteed an eternity apart from God, do it your way. Have you made God the center of your life as God says to? Have you lived in a way that is unselfish and focused on pleasing God and serving others as God demands? If not, you've sinned against God. Have you ever been angry in an, in, an, in an unjust way and you've sinned against God? Have you ever lied, stolen, or cheated and you've sinned against God? See, God is morally perfect. He is without blemish. He is perfect in all his being. And our sins have made us morally imperfect. We are unable to be in a right relationship with God. God tells us this in his word in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from God. And the price of sin, the Bible tells us, is eternal death, which is hell. We also read this in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You and I cannot pay for our sins on our own. There's no way that you and I could be good enough. I can't do enough. I can't outgood my sin. One sin does me in, does you in. God in his great love for you and for me has made a way for you and I to have all of our sins erased, to not have one single sin stand against us today. God has made it possible that you and I could stand holy and justified before God. He made it possible by bearing our sins on the cross so that we can become holy in God's sight. The penalty for sin is death. God says it. And Jesus, who was the only truly innocent person to ever live, stood in my place, stood in your place, and bore the wrath of God because only God can absorb his own wrath. And he took the penalty for you and I. And in Jesus Christ, a great exchange is made if we're willing to take it. The exchange is this. That Jesus' holiness, his righteousness is given to me and he takes my sin. We read this in God's word, the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the free gift of God. This is why God implores you to be reconciled to him because in Jesus Christ, what is humanly impossible has been made possible by God. Do you need to be reconciled to God today? If so, why not now? Why not right now? You may ask yourself, well, how does one become reconciled to God? By admitting that we have sinned against God. For we read this in the book of Romans chapter 10 verses 9 to 11. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Would you confess to Jesus today? you have sinned against him and ask him to give you his righteousness he loves you and he wants to give you his righteousness he will not give what is not asked for Margie wants you to know that truth today Margie lived that truth she lived that truth if she didn't she would have never said to her son no you go and do what God has called you to do would have never loved the way she loved if she didn't know that this was true. God would ask you today, would you come to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins? If you ask God to forgive you of your sins and, you, and, and to give you his, the righteousness of Jesus and you desire from this point on to live a life that pleases God, you will become God's treasured possession. The hope of heaven will be yours. But it's not just a matter of asking. It's also a matter of living. Asking God and living in a way that pleases and honors God. I would ask you today, would you do that?
even right now. There's no, you don't need an altar call. You don't need nothing. Believe in your heart and you will be saved. If you have any questions about that, I would love to talk to you. If you've asked God to be your Savior, then you need to get into a church that teaches God's Word. You're welcome here at Bible Baptist Church. The point of this is not to grow our church. If you live far away, I'll help you find a church that teaches God's Word. This is so important. The greatest question that anybody will ever be asked when we stand before God, and we all will, is what did you do with Jesus? If the answer is anything less than I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, you will not hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You will hear the words, depart from me. I do not know. Did you know Jesus today? Believe in your heart and you will be saved. Father, I ask for everybody here today. Lord, I don't know them all. You do. You know every heart. Your word tells us that every heart is laid bare before you, naked and bare before the one of whom we must give an account. And I pray, Lord God, that your word went forth. Your word touched hearts, Lord. And I pray that you would draw your children to yourself this day. We ask it for the glory of Christ. Amen and amen. We're going to sing when we all get to heaven. Let's sing together one last time. Before we close in prayer, you can sit. You can sit.
When we close in prayer, the, fa the Shiro family will go out and be in the hallway, and you can send your con say your condolences there. We invite you to a repass afterwards. Just go out the doors here, hang a right, go down, and someone will direct you where to go. But let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for a life that was well-lived, a life that was faithful, a life that was loving. Lord, thank you for blessing us with Margaret. Lord, what a good gift that you have given. And your word tells us that every good and perfect gift is from the Father of lights. We thank you for the good gift of Margaret. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are a faithful God, that your promise is true, that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And Margaret, right now, is with you. What a day of rejoicing she has had. And every day is a day of rejoicing in your presence. And so we thank you, Lord. I pray for all of us here. May that same hope be in us. Comfort us. Be with us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, everybody, for coming. God bless you all. Mm -hmm.